It's just, I mean, it's sad because you know that at some point you're going to need to have that savings. You're going to need to have some cash reserve set aside. So the fact that the numbers are, you know, basically more than a quarter for no savings and more than a third that haven't set anything aside for retirement, that's going to be problematic. Welcome to Getting Money Right, a show dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom through education and inspiration, so you can be free to pursue your true life's purpose. We are your hosts, Leo Sabo and David Thompson, and on this episode of Getting Money Right, we're talking about some very specific ways that you can increase your savings, along with some rules of thumb for increasing savings. That's right, Leo. It's amazing to look at just the number of people in the country who have no cash, no savings to fall back on. Mm -hmm. uh, if anything were to go wrong in their life, they don't have anything to, to take care of it. Yeah. I mean, they immediately either have to go to debt or they have to go to family or outside of family. And it becomes a major issue mm -hmm. really, really quickly. Yeah, I'm, I'm shocked because I keep looking at stats from time to time, the savings rate, the investing rate, all of that. And I'm hoping that to see some kind of a change. And uh, it's always very small changes, and it's always oscillating. There's a limited increase, then a massive decrease, or vice versa. And, and it's sad because I'm not really seeing people really becoming more educated and then actually taking action and changing what they're seeing as a, as a pattern. It, it, you know, it troubles all of, all of us when we think about, well, are we going to have enough for retirement? Uh, are we saving enough? Is there you know, any hope for us to be able to actually have enough in the future if we need it? And even though we know the picture that's being painted is not a good one, it seems like we're very slow to react. Mm -hmm. At least I'm not seeing huge savings. So let's share some of those statistics right now. Yeah, well, approximately 28% of adults have no savings set aside for emergencies. 28%. Mm. That's over one in four. Yeah. Uh, while another 36% have yet to start socking away money for retirement. Mm. So, okay, first you have the baseline of 28% that have no savings. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, you have another 36% that haven't set aside anything yeah. for retirement. Yeah. That's, yeah. That, uh, it's just, I mean, it's sad because you know that at some point, you're going to need to have that savings. You're going to need to have some cash reserve set aside. So the fact that the numbers are, you know, basically more than a quarter for no savings and more than a third that haven't set anything aside for retirement, that's going to be problematic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you have to look at the different age groups too, and to consider how bad that really is. If this was true only of younger people, you could say, well, okay, maybe 22, 25 year olds <laughs> right. are not quite on the, you know, on the bandwagon yet, but by the time they get 30, they'll get together and they'll understand And by between 30 and 60, they'll save. But actually, that's not true. I mean, yes, older people do tend to save more, uh, but I think it, it's actually all over the map. So uh, adults age 55 and older have a positive personal savings rate of about 13%. This is the highest group uh, that save. Unfortunately, millennials, uh, meaning adults that are 35 years or under, have a personal savings rate of negative 2%. Negative 2%. So they're wow. actually spending more than they're making. They're not saving at all. And this is probably a, a, has a lot to do with the high student loan debt 
uh, that's causing them to really, uh, and, yeah. and of course, you know, the wages are not keeping up with that kind of loans. So that's what's hurting them from saving anything at all. Yeah. Well, in the millennial generation, definitely it was sold that you have to go to college. It's the only way and that the government will make cheap loans available to you. Mm-hmm. And the school system has continued to raise the prices because there's no reason for them not to raise prices. Yeah. They can raise prices because the government is guaranteeing the loans. Mm-hmm. So if you have an 18-year-old that could never afford to actually pay 40 grand or 100 grand for an education, you have these students whose loans are backed by the federal government. It's a perverse incentive to raise the price of education without necessarily actually raising the quality of the education mm-hmm. uh, and having specific opportunities for jobs after somebody is educated. And it's opened up all these unique um, majors Mm-hmm. that usually don't have a high income potential at the end of four years. And so you have kids that are going to get a four-year education on something that won't actually turn into a rate of return yeah. and cause them to have a, a successful career. The, one of the cool things, and, and we didn't look it up in the stats, but Gen Z, the next generation, is seeing the pain points mm-hmm. with their siblings that are a little bit older, yeah. uh, or maybe this next generation, they're seeing that, that, okay, college is important, it is valuable, but going into that level of debt for it yeah. is, didn't work for their older bro- brother, didn't yeah. work for their they're older sister. They're still living at home. <laughs> they're still living at home, and yeah. the Gen Z is seeing that happen before their eyes, and they're actually saving a little more, mm. and they're being a little bit more self-conscious with how they manage money. So the good news is, is that a lot of times these things will balance out, um, but uh, I say a lot of times, overall, when you look at the stats, there's still just a staggering number yeah. of people that are struggling. Yeah, almost half about 40% of Americans would not be able to cover an unexpected expense of $500 or less. That's really sad. I mean, 40% of Americans are literally living paycheck to paycheck, uh, and almost a quarter would not be able to cover a $100 expense or an emergency. You know, that tells you how tight things really are. We saw this when the pandemic hit. Not only were people not able to make the rent payment, but so many other things that people defaulted on. And if it wasn't for some of the stimulus help, the unemployment addition, literally people would have been in really big trouble and still potentially are because we're not out right. of the woods yet. So Yeah. So more than a quarter of adults in the 50 to 64 age range aren't saving anything mm. for retirement for their golden years. It's crazy. So 25 percent, uh, you know, more than a quarter, actually. So this is a big deal because we did a whole three part series on social security mm-hmm. and and the problems that it was facing and we did that three part series i don't remember the date mm, it's at least a year ago yeah it was at least a year ago that was before covid mm-hmm. And before we just saw this huge amount of cash being poured into the economy by the government yeah. and when i say huge amount of cash the government has been printing this cash <laughs> and yeah. putting it into the economy which means that we like we talked about all the problems with social security before with the over spending of the government the lack of money coming in to provide for social security mm-hmm. it was already going to be in trouble a year ago yeah now you add another i don't, I don't know ex- the exact numbers are but at least four trillion in yeah. recent money that's been poured into the economy on top of another at least 10 trillion that's been given out in loans by the fed now, I mean, if you just put those numbers together, that's over 14 trillion. And I know there's more than that. I've not, I've not pulled the exact data here, but, but over 14 trillion, our national debt mm. is around, it's like over 20 trillion. It's under 30. I want to say it's like somewhere in the 25, 26 range right now in one year. Yeah. 
we just added half of our national debt in the amount of money that we have printed and circulated into the economy. Yeah, it's insane. That means that there will be inflation at some point in time. There will be some financial economic impact. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't have a crystal ball of exactly what that will look like, but it will affect the value of the dollar and it'll affect social security even greater than what Leo and I had talked about for three episodes last year. So... I just want to encourage you, <laughs> be aware. Now is the time to save. Uh, this is the kind of stuff that a lot of people don't think about. But when you begin to look at the actual numbers, now is the time to get started. All I want to do is really um, get you kind of psyched up that you need to start. That, that, that may mean cutting back in some areas. That may mean making some changes to your finances in a way that opens up new margin. I would say go back and listen to episode 69, episode 70, and episode 71 on social security. If you're in the 40 to age 60 age range, mm. go listen to episode 69 through 71 and listen back on social security. And then continue digging into this as we talk about how to save more. Yeah, that's good. And so we really want to focus on how to save more, but let's talk about some rules of thumb to increase savings, because this is not just about doing something that we all know we should be doing, but it's how do we become more successful at doing this? Because again, the information is important, but unless you take action on the information, it's really kind of useless. So let's talk about some of those rules of thumb that we're to use to be able to increase our savings. Yeah. Well, Leo, delayed gratification. <laughs> That's the number one, isn't it? <laughs> number Always. one right here. So delayed gratification. This is a personal rule that you can put into your finances, mm -hmm. especially if you're married, you can have this conversation with your spouse. Um, if you have a friend that can hold you accountable, if you're single, that's great. I would start with a 24 hour wait period before you make any purchase, mm. any purchase over $50, any purchase over $100. Uh, for Ashley and I, we have our budget set aside. And so we know we're going to spend $100 on groceries, you know, at least every week. That's that's normal. But anything outside of the norm, anything outside of our budget, we have a 24-hour wait period. Mm. Hey, we're going to talk about it and then we're going to sleep on it. Yeah. That one rule alone, A, it opens up communication. Uh, B, it's accountability. C, there's delayed gratification, which actually causes you to appreciate the object more. Mm -hmm. and, and D, it just really helps increase your margin and your saving. Because a lot of times you look at that object a day later and say, no, I'm not really wanting to make that purchase. Right. And I would extend this out if you're really wanting to learn to save. I would extend this out to 30 days mm. if you're looking at a large purchase. Yeah. I would even say a medium-sized purchase. You know, I'd say a washer, a dryer, a new oh, yeah. appliance, uh, maybe even something that's going to be a couple hundred dollars just to decorate your home, a new couch, a new sofa, a television. Wait 30 days. Uh, set the money aside in a savings account. Let's say you have the money already. Set it aside, earmark it for that object, but then wait 30 days. Hmm force yourself to delay that gratification. Most of the time you'll realize, hey, I don't really need this object in my life. I'm actually okay. I can be content with where I'm at. Um, but if you wait 30 days and you do decide to buy it, you're going to love that object even more and it'll yeah. last longer. You'll take better care of it. You will value it in a greater way. So delayed gratification is the number one rule of thumb that I would start with. Yeah, I, I really like that because it is the in the moment decisions that usually get us in, the, in trouble is that we don't take the time to really think about how will this impact us long term. And we're terrible at determining how we'll feel about something long term. Oh, absolutely. But in the moment, it's like right now I want this. 
And you know, with some of the things that have developed over the years, especially like an Amazon and online shopping, it's so easy to just get caught up into, oh, I could use this, or oh, I really like this. And before you know it, you're buying things that you haven't really thought about. You certainly haven't planned or put money aside for it. And I think it's really important that uh, you do what David said, which is just delay that purchase just for one day, or if it's a bigger purchase for that 30-day period, it'll make a big difference in the impulse buying. This is something that everyone who does not live on a written plan struggles with because you kind of think of your money as a pool of money that you can draw from based on what you need. Unfortunately, because it's not planned out, it's whatever you need in the moment. So that's why we say delay gratification is really important, but also having a budget is really important. If you have a budget in place, it will really help you to make those decisions so they are not going into debt and you're not buying things that you shouldn't be. I love that you mentioned the budget again, Leo, only because that is the starting point for Ashley and I is we do have things in the budget and it's when something that's not in the budget or something that's $50 or more, mm -hmm. that's where that 24 hour rule kicks in. So starting with the budget is really the best place yeah. to start saving. Yeah. Having a budget doesn't remove the impulse to buy, but it helps with the buying options and that's the, right. the choices we make. So another great thing that I would recommend as a rule of thumb is stop watching ads and reading the junk mail that you get. Uh, the more that you're marketed to, the more that your brain is influenced by messages uh, trying to sell you something, trying to encourage you that something else will make your life better. All marketing is branded around the idea that your life will be better if you have this object or product in your life. You might think, okay, well, you know, I didn't buy that new TV that I saw advertised in television commercial. And so because I didn't buy the $800 purchase, it's okay if I buy this $40 pair of shoes. Mm. Your brain will start to negotiate with itself because, you know, I saw this ad and I didn't make this purchase. It's okay if I make this purchase. Yeah, you've actually saved yourself money. Yeah, I saved money. I <laughs> saved $760 by yeah. not buying this. So the more that your brain is hit with advertising, the ads are going to wear you down. Yeah, no uh, doubt about whether that. Whether you realize it or not, your emotional capacity to say no, it shrinks the more that you get hit with advertising. Yeah. So do whatever you can to turn the ads off. If that means you need to put your phone down and stop, I mean, if you're if you're scrolling through social media, every every fourth or fifth post, I don't know what it is, yeah. but every so many posts, there's an ad. You're watching videos, you're watching videos, there's an ad. Mm -hmm. You're on YouTube watching videos, watching videos, there's an ad. Yep. Uh, and, and it used to be, you know, you could get away from it when we all went away from television to online consumption of media. But obviously online has done a phenomenal job of figuring out how to advertise to us while we consume our online content. Yeah, you really can't get away from it. And the idea is not to completely get away from it, but it is to understand the impact it's having on you. And again, having a budget, having a plan, making some decisions ahead of time to say, I will not spend over this unless I talk talk it over with my spouse or my friend to make sure that I'm staying on track. Those are just wise things that prepare us for those kind of things. Because again, we're gonna be hit with these advertising from wherever we are. There's just no way to get away from it completely. But I think it's it's wise to just be prepared for it, as David said. Yeah, and you can avoid the junk mail that comes to your inbox. Uh, there are options, and it's funny, but it may be worth it if you if you watch a lot of your content via YouTube or um, via Hulu. There are there are plans where you can mm -hmm. pay an extra five bucks a month to not have the ads put in front of you. Yeah, one purchase will <laughs> will pay that for the year. That's right. right. That's right. Yeah. So. Um, I'm not saying that you sh definitely should do that, but I think you should be aware 
aware of your consumption patterns. Mm -hmm. And if you see yourself getting hit with ad after ad after ad on a certain platform, you may need to either switch to a new platform or find a way to pay that company. I mean, hey, I want to pay YouTube. Thank you for all the all the videos that you're allowing me to watch for free. I appreciate that. Yep. And I'm willing to pay another five bucks or something to get rid of the ads. Um, I, I'm currently not doing that, but I have done that in the past mm -hmm. because it was just ad after ad. And it was a season where I watched a lot of videos on that platform. Yeah. Be aware. Be conscientious of what's going on in your life and how these ads are affecting you. Another thing to consider is maybe doing a 30-day challenge to maybe eat at home only. And I know this is hard for us because we all socialize around a meal, but try to think about how that might impact not just your finances, but even your relationships. I think it's just, it, it, it's helpful because it breaks down the habit of just, we always go out to eat. And, and I see that sometimes when I'm coaching a couple or an individual that has a high expense in this area, it's really hard to pull back because of they've kind of wrapped their life around, this is what I do. And again, you've kind of developed this habit of this is what I do, but any habit, healthy or unhealthy, can be adjusted. You can break a bad habit, or you can at least pull back enough to realize what you're actually trying to do more, which is to save, right? It's not that eating out is bad. Well, potentially it could be, depending on what you're <laughs> eating, but but it's not that. We're not, we're not against that. We do that. I you know, I go on a date with my wife every Friday, and it's usually around a meal or something to do with a meal. But it's based on the budget, and it's not to sacrifice everything else because we do this one thing. So this 30-day challenge, however you decide to do it, I think it would be uh, a way to, to take control and make saving a priority. Yeah, no spend November. Probably <laughs> you've heard of it. Uh, it. It's a month where people intentionally set aside 30 days to not spend anything outside of their necessities. That's good, yeah. Uh, now, does it have to be November? No. No. <laughs> this is, it, I would say, if you're at the place where you need to build your emergency fund, start this 30-day challenge today and make up a fun name. Uh, September's coming up. Saving September. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I don't know what you need to call it, um, but but find a Sock fun Sock it away, way. September. I Sock like it that away. <laughs> yes, I love it. Sock, Sock it, it away, September. So, um, you know, if you, if you will set aside 30 straight days mm -hmm. to not buy anything except for your necessities, I mean, yep. you still have transportation, you're going to have gas, and you're still going to have groceries, uh, but you don't buy any extra clothing. You don't go out to eat. You don't buy anything on Amazon. Uh, you don't buy any books. You don't, you don't go to the movies. This, actually, those 30 days will dramatically help you to break some bad habits. Mm -hmm. Because we get into the habit of, oh, there's a new book you know, on Amazon that I want. Click. One-click purchase. Yeah, <laughs> hey, it very easy. Uh, there's a new Audible um, that I want to listen to. Click. One-click purchase. The, all of these different platforms, and it could be shoes, it could be food, it could be entertainment for you, um, it, whatever it is, 30 days will help you break some of those habits. And it stops the impulse purchase, which Leo talked about earlier. The reason for that delayed gratification or the reason that's so important is because our lives are inundated with impulse purchase opportunities. Mm -hmm. And if we don't have any mechanism in place to say, oh, I'm going to wait 24 hours or oh, I'm going to wait 30 days. If you don't have that in place, that rule that you live by, you're going to get hit with yeah. impulse purchases. This oh, is yeah. The world we live in, and, and I'm not even vilifying the world, the world we live in, it's kind of cool that you have the opportunity to get some really neat gadgets and cool toys and good food and all sorts of things in, at a moment's notice. It's at your fingertips. That's not a bad thing. 
but it will be a bad thing if you don't have delayed gratification um, and the ability to stop those impulse purchases. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's good. All right, so we shared some statistics about where we are with the savings rate in our nation. And we also talked about some rules of thumb as it pertains to the saving practice. So we're going to share some specific ways now that you can begin to save, but we have to warn you, <laughs> your first reaction may not be a happy or exciting feeling. You may get mad or even disagree with us, and that's okay. However, what we're asking you to do is to listen and consider what we're saying, because the alternative to this that is that you never begin saving. And if it causes you a little bit of pain right now, we would rather you experience that, and I hope you see the reason behind that, because in the long term, your family will be better off. And that's why we're sharing this. We're not sharing this because we want you to live a meager, just terrible life, but because we want you to have safety and security uh, in the future. So we're going to share a few things, but keep an open mind, and please hear what we're saying and consider some of these options because they, they can make a huge difference in your life. Yeah. The first thing that I would start with uh, is around the car. Mm. Transportation. <laughs> yep. uh, we've talked about this before, that the car is one of the top three expenses in pretty much everyone's budget. Mm -hmm. And so if you have a leased car or a car with a car payment, uh, a lease, you're probably locked into a certain contract and it may be difficult to get out of. But as soon as you can get out of it, you need to end that lease. You need to switch to a cash car and begin mm -hmm. to build that margin back into your life. If you have a car with a car payment, uh, especially if that car payment is over $200, um, one of the greatest things that you can do mm -hmm. to start saving is to actually go ahead and sell that car today, buy a used vehicle on a much lower payment, even if you have to use payment still at that point. If you go from, uh, and I think we can walk through some numbers, but if you go from a higher payment down to a lower payment, from 500 bucks a month to 200 bucks a month, mm -hmm. from 300 bucks to 200 bucks a month, mm -hmm. you're saving anywhere from 100 to 300 dollars right. right there. That margin is huge in your budget. Yeah. And in the long run, it's what it's going to do for you. It's going to free up resources that you can begin to save right now. And here's the thing if you are in a car payment right now, and it's somewhere between three and six years, and that's keeping you from saving. That means for the next three to six years, you're hoping that nothing else will go wrong because you can't save right now, but you hope nothing else will go wrong. Well, why not find a way to free up money right now and start saving right now since you don't have any way of knowing what tomorrow brings, but by saving right now, it makes you better prepared for tomorrow. So we don't want you to be locked in because that's really what it does is it robs you from the ability to do what you need to do today. And think of it this way. If you had just $250 a month that you can free up, and you could put that in an investment that's earning just 6% over the next 30 years. So $250 a month for 30 years at 6%. That'll get you $244,000 between the interest and the payment that you're, you'll save. That's more than twice what the median saving is for 55 to 64-year-olds today, which is $104,000. So 55 to 64-year-olds have $104,000 saved up. If you do this one thing, and you could do so much more, but if you just did this, you'll have 244000 Now, if you do that and your spouse does that, you'll have almost half a million dollars Yeah. just by, by sacrificing this one thing. And we're not saying you can't drive nice cars. We're just saying think of the average new car payment at 550 If you cut that to $300, there's your two fifty that you can save for the next 30 years. And so we're just encouraging you to look at this one option because this does – 
tend to rob people is this one choice. You know, buying cars for cash instead of borrowing can be the difference between having a retirement account or not having one. Yeah, the average new car payment, this is average. Mm -hmm. The average is $550. Yeah. That's for a new car. The average for a used car is $393. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then for leasing, it's around four hundred and fifty-two dollars. Yeah. And usually with a lease, you're getting a new car. Yeah. But, but you're not capturing so. any of the equity at right. the end of that three-year deal, four-year deal, whatever you have. So there's no equity being built up. You're not actually saving any money. You don't own anything at the end of that contract. That's why I say get out of the lease as soon as you can and mm-hmm. switch over to buying a vehicle that's used that you can afford. But let's just say Mm $550 for a new car. If you were to buy a $10,000 used vehicle, and let's say you had to take out a loan to do it, Mm -hmm. it's 200 bucks a month. It's actually $180 a month if you get a 3% interest rate. But but let's just say it's 200. Let's say a little bit higher interest rate, whatever it is. You go from $550 a month down to 200, You've just opened up three hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah. Uh, same with a four hundred dollar used vehicle being the average four hundred dollar a month used versus a ten thousand dollar vehicle that's actually two hundred bucks a month. Yeah. You're Big saving difference. a large amount of money that will open up margin. It lets you build your emergency fund. You can go back and begin to listen to our episodes on investing. And so Leo mentioned a 6% rate of return. We've talked about the potential to get anywhere from 6 to 11% rate right. of return. Right. Almost uh, twice that potentially, potentially. If, you, if you do it for a long time. You'll realize much better returns than 6 That's right, typically. And so um, go back and listen to our whole investing series, episode 92 through 97. We did five episodes on investing, and and we dug into stocks, bonds, mutual funds. We also talked about uh, a bigger, broader understanding of different areas you can invest. It doesn't just have to be into the market. There are other places you can invest Mm and have a strong rate of return. $244,000 is what Leo talked about at the end of 30 years. That that's a life changer. That's a mm, game changer. When is. you get to retirement and you have the baseline of social security, and then you've got an extra two fifty uh, potentially if you're married and your spouse has done the same, and then there's now five hundred thousand dollars sitting there. This makes a massive difference in your lifestyle of retirement. Oh yeah, absolutely. All right. So number two way to save money is to stop using your credit cards. <laughs> and I know I know this is one of those things. Like, but you, Leo, you don't understand. We get. X amount of reward points and we get free hotel nights and free travel and all this stuff. And here's the, here's the reality about credit cards. When you use a credit card and you don't pay that payment, if you carry a balance, this is the opposite of savings. It's literally digging a financial hole for yourself. Uh, you typically spend 12 to 18% more when using a credit card. Yeah. That's the other thing that credit card companies know. That's why they're so willing to offer you Rewards programs. Right. You know, You're you like, can hey, earn. I got 1%, but you overspent in that category by 12 to 18%. And if you carry <laughs> the balance, you're going to pay another 18%. Oh, then you're getting slammed. So, so you're just getting slammed from both sides. So you may be earning 1% to 5%, but again, that's not going to do you any good if you're paying 18%. And if you're spending more than you normally should have anyway, because it's not the same when you use cash yeah. versus than when you use a credit card. Yeah. When you're starting to save use cash, use cash, mm-hmm. use cash. Ashley and I did this, and I don't remember exactly. I want, It was at least the first five years of our marriage, but I want to say the first six or seven years. Mm-hmm. We used cash for almost everything. Yeah. And if it wasn't cash, it was a debit card 
not a credit card because we were learning to save. We were building these habits into our life. And if you do cash, um, just, I mean, just like we said, the, it, it, you feel the pain of that purchase more. You actually calculate how much is in your wallet or in your purse. And you think, yeah, I'm willing to spend $20 on this food or mm-hmm. yeah, I'm willing to spend a hundred dollars on groceries. But when you go th- to the grocery store with a credit card and you're just, oh yeah, 150 bucks, 200 bucks, no problem. Cause you're swiping. You don't feel the pain. And Leo and I have done this for a long time. We've worked with a lot of people if you will commit to cash only in a certain category, you will spend at least 12 to 18% less using cash yep. versus a credit card. Yeah, that's good. All right, so here's the last one. Sell your house. Oh. Oh, I can just hear the booze right now. Sell your house. What? People just clicked off the podcast. <laughs> here's the reality, guys. The biggest expense that you and I have are associated with our housing. It's the roof over our heads. And I love being able to own a home, okay? I've owned a home for the last 26 years, and I love it. But I will tell you that I would sell my home in a heartbeat if I couldn't save and if I had to live beyond my means. I've only done that once in my life, and it was the most stressful, difficult time in my life. And if I could have got out of it, I would have, but I was upside down and I couldn't. And the market was such that I couldn't Mm -hmm. sell the house. But I'm telling you, this one area... When you consider the cost, not just currently, but ongoing cost of owning a home, and if that's keeping you from being able to live the kind of life that you want to live, meaning you're either working too much, you're overcommitted in other areas just to have a roof over your head so that you can, I don't know, you know, we all make decisions when it comes to buying a house that I think sometimes have more to do with how other people see us than the reality of our own experience. And, And I love a home, but... I would not sacrifice savings and I wouldn't sacrifice a good life just to have a house. Yeah. And I think a lot of folks are getting caught into that. So the biggest expense you'll have is a home because you have to look at a few things. Your mortgage payment also includes taxes and insurance. Now, I know some people will say, well, it's, it's similar to renting. Believe me, I've done both. It's not. And I'm also a landlord. And I can tell you, my renters live on a lot less per month than I do as a homeowner. Yeah. And and I don't have a mortgage payment, but I still have taxes. I still have insurance. I still have maintenance and upkeep. And usually utilities are higher because the square footage is higher yep. in a home than it is in a rental. And then, of course, maintenance can be very expensive, especially if you have to borrow to fix things, right? If you don't have the margin to fix something and something breaks, you're going to do it. What else is, is part of that, David? Yeah, well, uh, there's also this big temptation when you're in a home to go out and fill it with furniture, with decorations, oh, yeah. Yeah. and updating things to to the most up-to-date styles, the most up-to-date feel, the modern look. Um, most people, when they buy a home, unless it's move-in ready, uh, are going to, and I say move-in ready, like they're happy with it as they're moving in. Yeah. And most people aren't. They're going to no. move in and say, hey, we need to change out the countertops, the backsplash. Oh, we need to furnish it all with you know, oh, the furniture to match the style. Right. Oh, of course. And so hey, we need to redo the floors in this room. We're going to have to retile the bathroom. And while we're retiling the bathroom, let's actually change out the cabinets. The and fixtures. The fixtures. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah. the thing is, it's not crazy to think like that, but it is crazy to think like that if you don't have the money set aside. Yeah. And, and, that's, and that's the problem. And that's the problem. Most of the time when people have to do this updating, uh, the big temptation is that you want to have just this dream home. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But this is almost always done through borrowing. Right. It's either an equity line of credit, it's some kind of a loan, or credit cards. And that's where now what you had as a dream becomes a nightmare because the expense of that 
is going to be carried out for years ahead of you, right. which is going to make it impossible for you to save. And that's the whole point. We want you to save. So sacrifice whatever you have to do to make sure you're saving enough. You don't have to go crazy with it. I know sometimes we hear this message of saving and investing. We think we have to put $1,000 a month away. No, you don't. Like I said, $250 a month at 6% for 30 years will get you almost a quarter million dollars. Make it three fifty, dollars and you're almost at a million. You know, it's really, think of it as just something that you set aside. Build a habit. Make it happen. Don't sacrifice everything in order to not save because it just doesn't make sense. Long term, you're not going to be happy about that decision. So with the house, if you have an emergency fund in place, if you're setting aside at least, you know, 10% of your income, you're living debt free, keep the house. Mm-hmm. Even if the house is a little expensive, you know, even if it's a nicer home and you've updated yeah. it, that's that's great. If you've got your emergency fund, you're living debt free, uh, you know, you're, you're investing, you're setting aside short term, medium and long term saving. Great. Keep the house. I love it. Leo and I both have houses, but it's because we made these other decisions that make it very doable in our personal finances to live in a home. Uh, the, the, The people that we're talking to here when we say sell your house is if you don't have savings. And when I say don't have savings, I mean, you're at that line of hey, you know, I couldn't handle a $500 emergency mm. or a $1,000 emergency. Yeah. You're not setting aside 10% or more of your income every month to savings and long-term investing and actually creating margin. If you don't have the margin, and Leo and I have sat down personally, uh, I don't want to put a number to it, but at least hundreds of people. I mean, like I can think in my mind of countless person after person after person where when we did the budget with them, and we went through and everything in their budget made sense except for their housing. Mm-hmm. And we recommend about 30%. And you can go in and see the spending guidelines on the Creating Your Budget tool on Leo's website, leosabo.com, under the resources section. But you go there and you look at the spending guideline, and it's usually around 30%. Mm-hmm. And if you're spending 40% on your housing, you now have 10% of your income off balance, right. which means that you can never go to the movies again. You could never go to a baseball game. You could live the most boring, cheap lifestyle you want, and you're still going to feel a pain in your finances because your home expense was too large. And most people just don't realize it, especially when they buy a home, because the bank will say, oh, yeah, yeah, you can you can definitely spend up to 40 percent of your income on a home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you've got another couple thousand dollars of debt, no, no problem. We'll figure that out. We'll get the ratios just right. The bank will overlend and the realtor will oversell. And so there's been several occasions where we have helped people walk through selling a home, getting into a cheaper renting opportunity, or even a cheaper home purchase in the future if they have the equity. It's not a terrible thing to own a home, but you have to have savings. And that's what we're getting at. That's really good, David. I I think the one thing that we want to leave you with is realize that this may just be a temporary situation for you. You may, for the next three, maybe even up to seven years, get to a place where you have your finances in a place where you're saving consistently. And then as your income grows, as as you get raises, as your you know career advances, then you might be able to step into a home that you can afford and actually enjoy. Yeah. Because there's nothing worse than being what you call house poor. You, you can buy the house, but you're right. poor about everything else. You can't do anything <laughs> else. So what's the point of having a nice place to go to when the rest of your life is in chaos? And finances and financial stress It's not something you want to live with. So our recommendation is look at these things we talked about as ways to 
just finally get to that place where you stop talking or thinking about savings, but you're actually doing something about it because your future is closer than you think. And we don't want you to be one of these statistics where there's not enough funds available when you not even want to retire, but have no choice but to retire. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you for joining us for this episode. I hope that it was helpful to you. And if you'd like to hear more, please subscribe to the podcast. Uh, That makes a huge difference. It helps other people to find the podcast. Uh, Like and share it. Go to your social media page and leave a review. Let other people know what you find beneficial about the podcast. It just means so much to Leo and I to see that. So thank you for doing it. To gain access to the podcast show notes, to find financial tools and other relevant content, visit leosabo.com. Leo, anything that you want to highlight on leosabo.com right now or anything going on that you're excited about? Well, I have a mini course on there that is on budgeting. So if you've always wanted to know, how do I actually do this? Um, My recommendation is take this course. It's just a few videos that will walk you through the basics. It does use the tools that that are on leosabo.com, and it shows you step-by-step how to do it. So it's like me walking you through the process of how to actually build the budget. Again, it's low uh, investment for a high return, and I think it'll be a great tool for you to use. And you can use the form that's built on there. It's free to use. It's an Excel spreadsheet. And I think it does. In fact, I know it does exactly what your budget needs to do. Beyond that, what you do with it, it's up to you, but it's a great place to start because, hey, it's free. That's right. And if you want to come spend some more time with me, come over to stewardshippastors.com. You can check out the book, Jesus on Money, and you can click on the resources tab to see articles, videos, sermons, and a great reading list for understanding finances in a biblical context. Uh, And then I just want to say thank you again. We look forward to having you join us next time. So together, we we can can keep keep getting getting money money right. where now what you had as a dream becomes a nightmare because the expense of that is going to be carried out for years ahead of you, which is going to make it impossible for you to save. And that's the whole point. We want you to save. So sacrifice whatever you have to do to make sure you're saving enough. Mm